0: we <laughs>
1: Welcome back to the Bama online podcast. This one on a Tuesday, June the 7th, 2022 BOL senior analyst, Travis Schreier, alongside senior team reporter, Charlie Potter, a lot to get into on this Tuesday edition of the podcast. We're going to have some fun with it. We're going to talk about Alabama football and men's basketball. Transfer portal imports And rank them in terms Of their importance to their Respective teams we'll do that coming up We've got a couple mile markers Charlie of note to get through As the preseason top 25s and the all SEC Teams continue to come From different outlets but First and foremost Charlie I gotta ask you Have you screened Top gun maverick At this point I haven't. Um, Oh, great. It's not Marvel. It's not Disney. So Charlie doesn't give a damn. uh, That's just my – there's my conclusion on the whole situation right there, Charlie.
0: I don't want to make you feel old, but, I mean, I wasn't born
1: with (laughs) (laughs) it. Well, my 20-year-old daughter, Charlie, has seen it twice, okay? So she found it somewhat pertinent to her interest. I'm just – just having a good – you're right, though, man. Here's the thing for me with the Top Gun movies. In both instances, I was just sort of like transportation and dinner for a date, right? right. There was 16-year-old me 37 years ago, had a date, had a girlfriend. You know, I bought her the ticket to go see Tom Cruise and Val Kilmer and all the eye candy. And now, 37 years later, I'm just taking the wife. It's pretty much the same thing, right? Just 37 years in between for a person
0: like me. Yeah, you get to go see a, a top notch action movie. So she gets to see the the beach volleyball scene. I've seen Top Gun. I like Top Gun, but it's uh, not it's not it's not a cult favorite like it is for other people. Uh, and and the thing is, when it came out, um, these sequels and like the kind of unoriginal takes on films, like it, it's like we've run out of ideas for new yeah. things. And so I'm just kind of like, really. And I, I didn't have any expectations for this, to be completely honest. But everyone has loved it, which has been a, a pleasant supply, a surprise, honestly. So it's it's on the to-do list. Um, and, and the thing is, too, I mean, um, I've, I have watched it when I was little. My dad watched it. My dad was in the military. He wasn't in the Air Force or anything. But uh, he hasn't expressed just a huge interest in seeing it either. That would have been why i would have gone my dad and i go to a lot of movies together but uh he hasn't just been like yeah i really want to go see top gun so i guess that's the reason it hasn't been done mm-hmm. yet i guess i need to ask him if he wants to go but he he usually tells me of the ones that he likes to see but uh no i, I had planned on re-watching the, the original and then going to watch it but mm-hmm. yeah see that's the thing too uh my wife has zero interest in seeing it Um, I don't know if she just is. Not a date movie for you guys, yeah. Yeah, well, she does, like, action movies don't do it. Like, I have to, I I made her watch some of the goofier Marvel movies, and that kind of got her hooked on watching some of the MCU movies when they come out. Mm -hmm. But, yeah, like, unless it's rom-com or just comedy in general or, like, a drama, uh, yeah, she's she's not interested.
1: I enjoyed it. I enjoyed it more than the original. Now, look, that's 37 years ago. So right. the the memory is a bit fuzzy, and I didn't rewatch the original before or even after screening Top Gun Maverick. And you know, it could also be – I haven't even been to a movie theater in close to five years before going to see this movie. So that could be part of it. I enjoyed – there was sort of a rekindling of the experience of going to the movie theater. Um, but I think it's going to take movies like this to reestablish – the movie going experience as a legitimate option, because right now it just doesn't feel like it's, it's really, uh, a week to week thing like it used to be. And that's understanding technology has changed so much now our consumption and how we're able to, to take in content and movies and things like that is, you know, we can pretty much do that from home if we want to, but, Mm -hmm. um, just the experience in general, I didn't like the experience of like Nearly a hundred bucks between the tickets (laughs) and the bottled waters, and an icy, and two or three candy and popcorn items. I didn't like that experience, Uh, but there was probably some nostalgia involved, you know, in getting back into a theater in general. It'd be interesting to see if some other flicks in its wake can help it maintain this little bit of feels like some momentum on that front, Charlie.
0: Yeah, well first of all, you guys aren't smugglers. You guys don't go buy well, the, the dollar candy yeah,
1: at Target
0: I, and, then, and then bring it in. Well, I'll go buy Peter Brook and all that stuff, man. Yeah.
1: I've done that. I'm not <laughs> above it. I'm not above it, Charlie, but I, I didn't I didn't quite this was more of an impulsive decision uh, to go to this movie, so I didn't I didn't have a plan. Right. I didn't have a plan for that, but you're right. No, that's that's
0: absolutely usually the play, no doubt. Yeah, the the wife. Um, we always go by Target because they have the the dollar, dollar fifty. So candy, it's yeah. The same, t- the same candy they're selling at the movie yep. theater. But she takes it a step further. She has the popcorn salt in the the purse. Um, oh wow! Yeah, And yeah, that's a pro move right there. But, but she's always so embarrassed to pull it out and and to use it on the popcorn in <laughs> the theater. I'm like, well, what did you bring it for? But oh, go no, the, go all the way with it at that exactly. Point. But no, I mean, yeah. With the last two years, you've had. You know, movies go straight to the streaming services, um, and there are some movies that are just not worth going to the theater because, like you said, the the price of it. But I enjoy the the theater element. I enjoy the the popcorn, the drinks, the the getting to see a, a new movie. people talking. Yeah,
1: over the movie, that's a great experience, isn't it? We had that. <laughs> We had that at Top Gun Ma- uh, Maverick, so that 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 was included in the experience as well. People talking loudly, you know, interrupting the flick, kind of like I'm interrupting
0: you right now. You know? <laughs> I will say though, like the the last two big movies that uh, I remember going to here of late, which was um, Doctor Strange and then uh, the Batman. The theater wasn't full, and we went within the first few days of opening, which has been nice that they're not just crowded theaters right. where you know, you're elbow to elbow with people. So that hasn't been a factor, but you know, it it is still, it, it's fun to do those big movies on the big screen. And I, I think Top gun Maverick, uh, warrants that. And you know, I, I feel now given that it, you're not alone in saying that it's better than the original. I think everybody has said that, which again, that was a pleasant surprise. I feel like now they're just going to, they're just going to pump out a bunch of top gun movies or like spinoffs or things like that. And that's, they might run into the ground, but, but hopefully not.
1: Yeah, we'll see. Uh, June releases and like Christmas releases, Thanksgiving holiday releases—those are the the cinema days of my past. It was nice. It was enjoyable. Hey, we've got some mile markers to consider here on the college sports front, as well. Late day, right? With Nick Saban, about this time of year on an annual basis, we saw some of that on our social media timelines on Monday. Uh, that had the feel or the look anyway, Charlie, it may be a leadership council get together that we typically see from Saban and, and those type of individuals on his football teams.
0: Oh yeah. That kind of gives you a glimpse of the the leadership council and you had your usual suspects. You see Will Anderson and he's out there on a jet ski. It's not quite the Ken Stabler photo, but I think Alabama fans will eat it up nonetheless. And, um, (laughs) You have Bryce Young driving the boat. Uh, Henry Teletoe is out there. Jordan Battle. You know, we learned in the spring that a guy like DJ Dale has taking on more of a leadership role. And then you see just some smaller guys on the team. Um, you know Byron Young. I think Justin Aboig beat all three of those senior defensive linemen were out there. Uh, Jalen Moody. Um, Cameron Latu. I'm probably forgetting some guys. I think Dalcourt was out there. And a lot of those guys were actually at the Knicks Kids Charity Golf Tournament, uh, and that's kind of the same situation. You start to see some of the leaders uh, show up and and emerge uh, publicly, and of course, you know it's not a late day. Um, Photo gallery or you know Instagram slideshow without Nick Saban in that Yankees t-shirt. He, he oh, either,
1: he loves that. He loves that Yankees <laughs> dry fit, doesn't he? He oh. either has the same one or he has a
0: bunch of them. But any Mac Jones didn't boat, like it in the comments, <laughs> did he? <laughs> he didn't. Hide it. He said he's going to send over a, a Red Sox jersey now that he's up <laughs> in New England. But um, man, it's it's not late Day on a boat without Saban in that uh, Yankees shirt, and he even had the shades on today. He's he's looking. It's looking like he's having a good time with a big smile on his face, but no, it's, it's always, you know, it, it shows summer, it shows that the team's back together, and it shows some of the leaders that are kind of stepping up and, and filling some of those roles.
1: Yeah, and the all-SEC teams, preseason teams starting to come out, the preseason publications coming out this time of year, a couple other mile markers is before you know it, it'll be Atlanta, it'll be SEC media days in about, what, six weeks' time? Yeah, mm-hmm. I mean, it's coming up quick. And talk about the all SEC teams. And man, with Athlons, it was more of a question of which Alabama players weren't included on those teams than even the ones that were.
0: Yeah, I mean, the entire secondary was on there, or at least the projected secondary. You had two corners, two safeties, and and Brian Branch, the star. Um, you know, the first team was about the usual suspects. You had Bryce Young at quarterback. Uh, Jameer Gibbs was the all-purpose back. Uh, Emil Eklor at guard. You had uh, Byron Young on the defensive line. Both Byron Youngs actually from Alabama and Tennessee. Uh, and then Will Anderson, Henry Toa Toa, and Jordan Battle. Um, yeah, you know, I, I, I kind of posted this, and people immediately were were scoffing at the idea that Dallas Turner wasn't a first teamer. Again, this is the preseason. This is what people were projecting. So the outside linebackers for the first team were, were Will Anderson and Nolan Smith of of Georgia. I, I think you know if, if Dallas Turner has the season. A lot of people expect it wouldn't be a surprise to see him on there after the season, or at least after the regular season. But yeah, eight-team players total. You had Jameer Gibbs on there twice as a first-team all-purpose back and a second-team kickoff returner. A ton of transfers on this list with Gibbs and Jermaine Burton at wide receiver on the second team. You had uh, Eli Ricks at corner on the second team as well. Uh, So Alabama, well-represented. They led all teams with 18 I think there are only, you know, five teams with double-digit players, that being Georgia, Texas A&M, and Tennessee. And you know, this week, breaking down Tennessee, Tennessee has a, a lot returning and a lot going for it. You know, this offseason. season and then the schedule shaping up where they could quite possibly be, you know, five and zero going into that Alabama game with only uh, Florida and, and LSU on the schedule before and a bye week in between. So, um, you know, this is we're sitting here early June. This is what. You know, Athlon, and it's you know, writers are just kind of expecting uh, for the early season, but this is always good off-season fodder just to kind of break down and then fans to kind of you know, bitch and moan about. But um, nonetheless, not surprising to see Alabama well represented with damn near twenty players on this list.
1: Yeah, Tennessee and Alabama going into this year's matchup in Knoxville. The previous week, Tennessee will go to LSU on Mm -hmm. october the 8th and of course alabama in that steel cage match featuring nick (laughs) saban and jimbo fisher will host the aggies of texas a&m so a couple of important weeks uh when you talk about uh, rotating opponents in the case of tennessee and lsu within the league and then the permanent opponent coming over from the east for alabama in tennessee when you look at this sort of all sec list and we talk about sort of jokingly man and what alabama players weren't on these teams let's talk about that which alabama player did you didn't see on those first or second teams with the athlons list? uh could you envision being a postseason all sec
0: type for the crimson Tide? yeah i think um, receivers uh, a spot where I don't think there's anybody missing. Jermaine Burton makes a lot of sense because of, you know, what he's done in the past. You know, the way that Alabama talked about him in the spring and and how Bryce Young looked to him early and often in the spring game. But it wouldn't surprise me at all to see a, a wide receiver on there, you know, come after the season, whether it be a guy like Ja'Cory Brooks, um, Jojo Earl, Treshaun Holden. You've got the list, maybe even Tyler Harrell. A transfer from um, Louisville, if he's able to have a Jameson Williams like season or something close to it. So, wide receiver, you know, with there only being one, is not a surprise, really. I don't think anybody was necessarily left off, but I think that's a position where Alabama's in in pretty good shape. You know, they have a lot of young talent. Uh, They brought in two impact transfers, and if those guys can gel and build chemistry with, with Bryce Young over the summer, then they can be, like I said, in good shape there. Otherwise, you know, I I think maybe Jalen Moody, whoever's opposite of Henry Toa Toa, if they can come in and and produce like Christian Harris did, if they can be a sure tackler, you know, pile up those tackles and then get in the backfield and, and create some negative plays then, you know, they can work their way up. And I think, you know, Moody is the leader in the clubhouse at that will linebacker position. Other than that, though, the defense is is pretty much covered. I mean, you could add in maybe a Justin Boyby, maybe a Jamil Burroughs, somebody that steps up there. But uh, it's not a surprise to see not very many offensive linemen on this list, given that's probably the top question mark for Alabama. You had Emil Echior on the first team. You had Javion Cohen um, on the fourth team those are returning starters there that makes a lot of sense and I think for Alabama they would like to see one of their tackles uh you know make one of the first or second teams come Mm -hmm. um you know December and so maybe a J.C. Latham a Tyler Steen if someone that takes over one of those uh, tackle spots that would be ideal but for the most part the the list makes sense um you know maybe you could throw in a a punt returner like a a Jojo Earl a Kool-Aid McKinstry something like that but you know, to have 18 players on there and have a guy you know, filling a couple of spots in Jameer Gibbs it, um, is about what you expect, if not more.
1: Yeah, I'm going to go with the secondary, man. And I know that you already have Jordan Battle there on the first team. Uh, but, man, if I'm Kyrie Jackson and Kool-Aid McKinstry and I'm seeing Eli Ricks as a second-team pick uh, on this defense and just understanding it is what it is, right? I mean, it's a preseason list by a preseason magazine. Uh, that's some free fuel. For those kind of guys, isn't it? I think Demarco Hellums too might be a guy that has that sort of season. So I would probably, uh, in addition to the the areas you outlined so well there, I'd even throw in the secondary, understanding again that Battle and Ricks are being talked about in sort of glowing terms from the preseason. Uh, but man, there's some there's some other dudes that can can step forward at those secondary spots. And Brian Branch, Malachi Moore,
0: right? Yeah, no doubt. I mean, you look at it. You had Battle on the first team, Ricks on the second, with Kool-Aid on the third and Branch and, and Helms on the fourth. And I, I certainly think that the guys on the third and fourth teams can, can move up. But, yeah, it, it, it can serve as that because Eli Ricks is coming off the injury. He's new to the the program, new to the system. Uh, he's a hell of a player. But um, you know, bringing him in almost feels like a luxury. I know we're going to talk about the transfers here in a little bit. But you know, with Kool-Aid and Kyrie and some of the young players they're bringing in, um, Alabama could still have a formidable cornerback duo without bringing in the LSU transfer. But you know, obviously you bring in you know, players you think can help. I think Nick Saban thinks that you know, Eli Ricks can be that for Alabama. But that can provide um, some motivation for some of the guys that are still competing for those two spots. And, yeah, I think Helms, um, you know, Helms and Branch are regarded as, as two of the hardest hitters on the team, not just the secondary, but on the team. And uh, you know, for them to be fourth-teamers, um, I, I certainly think that can motivate them. You know, I, I've been ranking the most important players on Alabama's roster, and it, it gets tough. I go back and forth. I feel mm-hmm. a little wishy-washy, but I, I always kind of rank the star a little low and um, you know, not really above the top 15 just because they're a sub-package role. But I think Brian Branch is going to have a hell of a year. I think he's going to have one that you know, he's going to have to make a decision at the end of the season regarding Mm -hmm. his NFL future. So, yeah, I agree that the the secondary can move up, but um, I still think there's some respect there in the fact that all five of the projected starters are are listed. And and maybe, yeah, if you're Kyrie Jackson or Malachi Moore, you can get some motivation for that to be listed on in the end as well.
1: Yeah, bottom line, competition, a very good thing for Alabama. Across the board, the secondary, no different. In that regard, and I would say if we're just talking all-around football players on Alabama's roster right now, for me anyway, Brian Branch would be a top 15 guy. I understand there's more that goes into that when you're trying to put together important in terms of uh, that decree, but uh, just as an all-around football player, man, Brian Branch is something else.
0: Yeah, and the the reason that he gets knocked down a few pegs in terms of levels of importance is because of the presence of Malachi Moore. Um, mm-hmm. You know, if if something happened to Brian Branch, um, he is at one of the positions where his backup is, you know, has experience and can step in, you know, if he's healthy. That's really the the one thing that that is a knock for him. But again, I I mean, I'm a huge Brian Branch fan. I, I think that he can be, you know, no pun intended, a star at the star position. And um, yeah, I think he set for, for a huge season, to be honest.
1: All right. So we talk about importance. Let's get into it from the perspective of Alabama's transfer portal additions. Let's rank those guys in order of importance. And what we'll do is with the five guys we're going to talk about, Eli Ricks, Jameer Gibbs, Tyler Steen, uh, Tyler Harrell, uh, Jermaine Burton. Uh, we'll go five to one there, Charlie. So let's get started with your fifth guy there on that list in terms of importance where transfer portal additions to the Alabama football team are concerned.
0: I went with Tyler Harrell. Um, you know, I think that he was brought in for his speed, for his ability to take the top off of opposing defenses. And, um, you know, I, I think it's a situation where they would love to, catch lightning in a bottle and, and have a player like James Williams. I, I don't think you go into it expecting that. I think you just, you bring in a player you think can help. And I think he can certainly do that. But I think exiting the spring, Alabama, you know, felt pretty good about its wide receiver position, obviously not good enough to not take a, a player like Tyler Harrell. But, um, you know, I think with Burton and, um, Holden and Earl and Leary, and of course he wasn't healthy, but he's certainly going to be in the mix. Ja'Cory Brooks, you know, they have options. You know, I think the summer's big for those guys just in terms of their development and things like that, but Tyler Harrell kind of feels a little bit like a luxury as well, like I was talking about with Eli Ricks. Um, I, I think if he can go out and have a Jameis Williams-like season, then yeah, certainly he kind of you know climbs the list a little bit, but you know he has that speed. You know he's been clocked at 4.24. Some people say he can run a 4.19, which you know you'll take that in a heartbeat. But um, you know he only has he only caught 18 passes last year. He doesn't have a ton of production. Now in that same breath, neither did Jamison Williams before he got in an Alabama uniform. So again, if if they're bringing him in to kind of fill that role and be that deep threat for Bryce Young, which we saw Bryce Young thrive with that option. In his arsenal in that passing game, then Tyler Harrell can have a big season. Uh, But you know, I just think that you know, looking at trying to duplicate that is is tough to do. So that's why I kind of temper expectations a little bit. Um, But I I think he can be a big part of this offense, and and again, be that deep threat that they're looking for. But you know, with the the two additions they made post spring, I think there's one that obviously comes in and. Um, you know, competes for playing time at a position of need and the other one can just help out the offense, you know, from a, from a vertical standpoint.
1: I want Eli Ricks at five. And for some of the reasons that we just talked about with the Alabama secondary, I think you're comfortable with Kyrie Jackson and Kool-Aid McKinstry if they need to be, or they prove to be your top two. Um, you know, Eli Ricks becomes more of a luxury and, that's not to say I don't anticipate Eli Ricks making a real push for one of those two starting corner spots. But you know he's also not a guy, at least in the spring, that we saw work inside at the star position uh, in the sub packages. So you're in a good place with Brian Branch, Malachi Moore, as we talked about. Even at corner beyond McKinstry and Ricks and Jackson, Terry and Arnold has the look of a player who's coming on. Um, You're adding some really good depth there at the position via uh, your recruiting class as well, most recently. So I went Eli Ricks at five. I went Tyler Harrell at four. So just a spot difference between you and I there. I think the importance that Harrell brings to that mix is, as you outlined, he can take the top off the defense. Uh, He's going to make defenses respect that. And I think that's going to help other areas of the offense, going to open up more of the middle of the field for, say, Jermaine Burton going to help back up safeties and in turn, maybe help that run game as well. So we, uh, we have Tyler Harrell in in the five and four spots respectively. Who do you have at number four?
0: I have Eli Ricks at four. So we're at least kind of like-minded there. And I, I think that, I think Ricks can be a starter, uh, on this defense and I think he ultimately will. But, um, again, with, with Kool-Aid and Kyrie Jackson starting the season or starting to end last season, you kind of feel good about that position. They obviously have to continue to develop. I think Kool-Aid has to take, continue to take strides and improve and work on his game, but, um, you know, they trust him enough to start what, five or six games last year. And so I think that says a lot about him. I think Kyrie Jackson and and Eli Ricks both need to add some good weight. Um, you know, they're slender corners Uh, that's very clear to see with them on the field, but, um, you know, I think bringing in a guy like Eli, Eli Ricks, you're not doing that for him to ride the the pine coming from a place like LSU where he was a freshman All-American. Um, you know, I think he's he's gonna claim a starting spot sooner rather than later. But it just kind of feels like I said, like a luxury to where you have depth at corner, good depth at corner with. Uh, Kool-Aid, with with Kyrie Jackson, like you said, Terry and Arnold, you bring in a guy like Earl Little Jr., who looks college-ready, who spent some of his offseason working with Minka Fitzpatrick. He can play inside and outside. But, um, you know, I, I think Ricks is a talented player that it maybe is a little early to be putting him in some of these first-round mock drafts, but I think he can have a big impact on, on this defense and, and gives them another veteran option on a, a veteran-laden crew. So, I, I think both of these guys are, are going to make an impact. I, I don't want to make any mistake about that. But I think, you know, the, the three guys we have ranked ahead of them um, kind of fill positions of need for Alabama a little sooner than the other two.
1: Yeah. As we heard Nick Saban reiterate here recently, he ain't going to the portal for developmental guys. No. And all these guys we were talking about are expected to be major impact guys during the 2022 season. And with that, Charlie, who you got in the three spot?
0: See, I have Jermaine Burton at three, and really it's like kind of 2A, 2B for me. Um, but I think you know Jermaine Burton comes in and, and kind of fills that John Meshi role of that possession receiver, a guy that is a security blanket for Bryce Young. And, and we kind of got a glimpse of that in the 8A game, but Bryce talked about that, that they have a chemistry together. And um, I, I think that he could certainly uh, put up a lot better numbers than he did at Georgia. I'm not saying he's going to double his production, but that wouldn't be – you're just completely out of the realm of, of possibility. I think you know, going into the season, I have him as the top 10 most important player on the roster, all three of these guys are, that are coming up that we haven't named yet. Um, and I think Jermaine Burton is the top of the receiver group for me just because of his past experience at Georgia and now coming over to Alabama looking for more production and at a position that has to replace all three starters. So I think um, given that a lot of the players at the position are – still relatively new or inexperienced. Uh, I think Jermaine Burton comes in, starts right away, and is a big part of this offense. And, um, you know, if it weren't for some of the talent at the position that just needs, you know, to gain more reps, I think he'd be a little higher. But I think Jermaine Burton's going to be a a huge asset for Bryce Young and a, a big impact player for this offense.
1: My third guy might come as a surprise because there's so much hype surrounding him, most recently on that Athlon's uh, all SEC teams, I went Jameer Gibbs, number three, and I struggled with it because I certainly recognize the big play potential he brings to the offense, uh, the way that he can also impact the return game on kickoffs, and just the versatility that he should afford offensive coordinator Bill O'Brien in terms of personnel groupings. You can do some two-back stuff with Jameer Gibbs where he's essentially you know, a third receiver, third wide receiver in some formations. You can make him a fourth wide receiver, um, you know, in some uh, in some 11 as well, uh, or 12. But I, I went Jameer Gibbs there. Um, again, sort of a struggle because there's no question uh, that he's going to be important to this Alabama offense. I guess I envision a scenario where I feel better About the all-around situation at running back, even with a couple of those guys coming off of knee injuries, than I do, say, wide receiver and or the offensive tackle position. So I went Jameer Gibbs three, and I went Jermaine Burton two, and I went with Burton again because there, to me, is more uncertainty, not only in terms of the wide receiver position, but also, even at tight end, Cam too, had 20-plus catches last year. That's great. But, you know, that's not really the guy that you're going to feature, uh, I would think, as much, uh, even during the upcoming season. Uh, his last game against Georgia, he had 100-plus yards. So that was good to see from Campbell, too. But just felt like Bryce Young has to have his guy, okay? And in terms of volume, that's where I see Jermaine. Burton being that 70 plus catch guy during the upcoming season. So for me anyway, Jameer Gibbs, three Jermaine Burton, two. What about you in the two hole, Charlie?
0: I have Tyler seen. And, mm-hmm. um, just because I don't think it's a slam dunk that, uh, he gets the starting job. I think, you know, bringing him in again, um, like you said, Nick Saban not bringing these guys in just for, you know, shits and giggles. Um, He's a guy that has starting experience in the SEC at both left and right tackle. Alabama has openings at both, so that's advantageous for him. But left tackle makes a lot of sense because I think J.C. Latham's starting to come into his own at that right tackle spot. I, for me, I would I would sit here and pencil in Steen and, and Latham as the tackles uh, for game one if I was making a, a projected depth chart. Um, and I, I think that experience has been official for him because there's not a ton of experience at these offensive tackle spots uh, that are on Alabama's roster because you know, a guy like Kendall Randolph's played a lot of football, just not at tackle. He's been that pseudo tight end the last couple of years. And I think he can again, fill that position because Alabama doesn't have a ton of depth at tight end, even though it just went out and added a couple, a guy or it is bringing in a couple of guys over the summer and added a, a junior college transfer. But yeah, I think Steen, um, you know he's gonna be important not only for pushing these guys that are uh, already on the roster, but you know being a guy that has that experience and, and someone that can can be a maybe plug and play uh, starter if if they're just looking to kind of you know patch things up and to to figure out the offensive line. So I get him, you know obviously being number one for you. Uh, it was tough not to to put him number one because of the uh, question marks and kind of concerns on the offensive line but for me I went with Gibbs and for a lot of the things that you said it's the versatility it's you know the the many hats that he can wear he's going to be a guy that gets a lot of carries he's going to get a lot of targets out of the backfield he can return kickoffs you know he's someone that can have you know somewhere close to 1500 all-purpose yards he can really have an effect in a lot of different ways and I think that that versatility and impact, um, you know, warrants a, a number one rating. I, I get that why people are putting him as the, the top all purpose back and a, a second like team kickoff returner because he can be someone that comes in and you know is just a do it all player for Alabama and can be a, a one and done and, and move off to the NFL with a big season. And the running back position does have a ton of depth. You know, that's one that Nick Saban has said repeatedly that, that he doesn't really have a lot of concerns about. But, um, you know, you still have both of those guys in, in Jason McClellan and, and Roydell Williams coming off injury. You have Trey Sanders still continuing to build that confidence. You have a couple of freshmen. Jameer Gibbs play a lot of football. He's healthy. He's ready to go. And I think he can be the day one starter at running back and can do a lot for this offense.
1: So we pretty much had different guys in every spot. I love it. Yeah, we did. You know, that was fun. I, I, I did go Tyler Steen, number one. Uh, as we've deduced here. Um, Simple math. <laughs> yeah, and and again, he's in that spot for me because they don't need one tackle, they need two. Right. And even in a perfect world scenario where J.C. Latham's ready to take the next step and become a starter, say, on the right side, you've got major upgrading to do over what we saw in the spring and Not so much that I'm expecting Tyler Steen to be that guy. It's more that he needs to be that guy Mm -hmm. (laughs) for this offensive line. So uh, we'll see how that uh, plays out coming up in the very near future. Wanted to ask you this too, Charlie, what about in terms of departures from Alabama via the transfer portal? Who would you have just one guy, most important departure from Alabama uh, in, in that portal?
0: That's tough because, you know, you don't want to undermine any of these guys because they've had, you know, since, um, what was it? Well, I guess Xavier Williams was the first guy to enter the portal, uh, but you had uh, 18 guys enter the portal, either during or after the season. And, you know, Jalen Moody has since, you know, withdrawn his name and returning to Alabama, but uh, that's a lot of guys. And for me, you know, the the ones I gravitate toward the most are Jaleel Billingsley and, and Drew Sanders, but of Will Billingsley, it just didn't work out at Alabama. I think that was kind of, for lack of a better word, that was a healthy cut uh, from the roster. It, it made a lot of sense for both sides. Um, but given what we've talked about at the tight end position, lack of depth, I gravitate towards that because he is a, an athletic option. And when his head's on right and he's doing the right things can be a, a very um, you know impactful you know, weapon in the passing game. And then Drew Sanders, you know, he looked like he was well on his way to a a strong season before that hand injury, and then that opened the door for Dallas Turner to take over, and you know, Dallas Turner's not letting go of that one, and then now that gives an opportunity for a guy like Chris Braswell to be the next man of that third man in that rotation and outside linebacker, and so, um, you know, that kind of opens the door for something good for Alabama. I I don't want to say that Alabama wasn't hurt by the transfer portal, but like Nick Saban has said, you know, they're not gonna lose your know, starting players or guys that they wanna keep around. They're gonna go out and get other teams best players. And while I do think that, that some of these guys uh, could still make an impact on this team, you know, none of them are, are ones you're writing about like, Man, that's the one that got away. That's gonna impact the season in a huge way to me.
1: Yeah, interesting thing about the departures is that you're going to see a lot of these guys on the 2022 schedule. Yeah. Whether it's Drew Sanders at Arkansas, Jai Hall, Jalil Billingsley at Texas, hell, even Marcus Banks, right? Mm -hmm. Um, Going over to Mississippi State. So I guess when you lose that many guys to the portal, it's inevitable. I'm sort of on the same wavelength with you and narrowing it down. Billingsley, because of the situation you currently have at his position, but if you were going to have a continuation of this sort of at least seemingly disinterested version of Jalil Billingsley, I don't know how much of a a presence he was going to continue to have at Alabama, as you said. I think best for all parties involved, both parties, that he made the move to Texas. And Texas, uh, looking at their position room, uh, going into the season have a huge need at tight end. So Billingsley could certainly emerge as a real problem to go along with Xavier Worthy and uh Bijon Robinson and the rest of that skill talent that Steve Sarkeesian has there in Austin. I'll go Drew Sanders. I just think his versatility and it gets lost in the emergence of Dallas Turner. This guy was playing some really damn good football for Alabama yeah. at the time of his own injury. Um, maybe not the pass rusher Dallas Turner is, but I uh, can set an edge can good enough and evolving and improving as a pass rusher and a better player in coverage than maybe a lot of people realized. And you're going to have to see him when you go to Fayetteville on October the 1st. And by all accounts, he had a great spring for the Razorbacks to go along with bumper pool there at the linebacker position. So don't think you can go wrong with either of those guys, but I'll just go Sanders since you went Billingsley, just to try to keep it at least somewhat interesting hey for the sake of uh balance let's talk about the basketball transfer portal and the incoming guys just a couple um but give me those guys uh in order in terms of how you see their importance to Nate Oates's 2022-2023 club
0: I think both can make a big impact this season uh Dom Welch coming over from um St. Bonaventure and then of course Mark Sears the Guard from Ohio. Um, I, I had Mark Sears ahead of of Welch and because, you know, he was very productive last season. You know, he averaged almost 20 points a game, um, you know, shot almost 45 percent from the field. You know, he's he's a rebounder he has six rebounders or rebounds per game and you know, that's a an element where Alabama's guards were doing some of that last year of course you're going to need some improvement from the bigs but you know, to see that that uh, Mark Sears is a willing rebounder is is good to see and you know given that Javon Quinterly is going to be on the shelf for a little bit because of his injury and then your, other, your only other true point guard is an incoming freshman, a, a damn good one in James Bradley, but still a, a freshman nonetheless. I think Mark Sears makes a lot of sense to be penciled in as a starter um, whenever Alabama opens up the season. I think we'll probably see and hear a lot of him uh, from their foreign tour uh, over to Europe this summer. And, um, yeah, I mean, it's I think Welch makes sense from what NATO said they want. To bring in, you know, a bigger wing that can shoot the ball. But, you know, Mark Sears feels like just a, an immediate impact guy, someone they penciled in, are uh, they kind of targeted early on in the process in terms of looking in the transfer portal. I got that's from Muscle Shoals, Alabama, so, of course, he wants to be here. Uh, so I, I think Mark Sears makes the most sense for me for being Alabama's, you know, most important transfer.
1: Yeah, in scenarios like this one, I, I, I default to the guy that plays on the ball.
0: And that's Mark Sears.
1: So I'm going to go there. And they come from similar backgrounds in terms of uh, the competition they faced at, at the collegiate level, you know, mid major types uh, with Ohio and St. Bonaventure, respectively, for Sears and Welch. Nice pickups, I think, on both fronts. I bought my man, Jaden Bradley, by the way, with the Embassy Suites Flex yeah. on the NIL <laughs> front. Damn. I like that one, man, because look, you want to talk about NBC Suites downtown Tuscaloosa on game weekends? That's like six hundred a night, you know? That's uh that's impressive. But no, I think Sears would would be my first guy there. What about a departure though from the transfer portal? And we talk about it in relation to football. Significant, the numbers at least, that you know Nate Oates and his staff had to replace due to transfer portal
0: departures. Yeah, you had five guys hit the portal, at least from a scholarship standpoint. And really the two biggest ones to me are Juwan Gary and, and James Rojas. Uh, Rojas was a, a big leader for Alabama down the stretch and you know, he, he came to Alabama, he's battled through some injuries, but he's still, you know, a guy that, that gives his all. Um, I know he can be a little frustrating for fans sometimes, but you know, he landed at a place where, you know, they're gonna play some good basketball at Wichita State. Uh, you'll be looking forward to see him to play and then juan gary um you know again talking about what Nate Oates wants to replace or to find in the transfer portal you know wings that can shoot the ball and, and Jawan gary wasn't the most consistent shooter but you know Jawan gary can make plays he'll play defense and you know going to nebraska uh kind of that tough <laughs> close to the nebraska pipeline from a football and basketball standpoint i think those are the two um you know maybe most surprising for me um yeah, you know, I think with with Rojas, you know, that gives more opportunities for guys like uh, Charles Bediaco, Noah Gurley, some of these newcomers coming in, Nick Pringle, um, you know maybe Noah Clowney, uh, some of these guys to uh, to get more playing time and to, to improve. But James Rojas is a guy that challenged Charles Bediaco daily at practice to try to make him better. So that's going to be a big loss, not only from you know, what they do in games, but you know what they bring to the to the practice court.
1: Yeah, I would go Gary, of that group, more so based on what we saw from him a couple of seasons ago. Just seemed like he was ready to springboard to another level. It didn't really happen last season. He had the injury, too. Um, That was a bit of a setback. But I always liked Jawan Gary's energy, especially what he would bring off the bench a couple of seasons ago. So I'd go Gary on that list. I guess a couple of these guys, Gary Rojas, Noah Gurley coming back for that extra year, I think would, uh, factor into their decisions, uh, Mm -hmm. as to whether or not they were going to stick around or not. Um, and so, and as you said, you, you got, uh, Pringle coming from the junior college ranks also in that sort of position as well. So yeah, we're in agreement there, I think on, uh, on a couple of key candidates that we would consider there as far as key departures from the transfer portal for Nate Oates' program charlie that's all i got for you on a tuesday it's been a lot of fun man
0: yeah start off talking movies I feel like yeah. uh filling that tim watts void because i know he just sits <laughs> in front of the screen all the time do
1: you have your cargo shorts on while we're doing
0: this if you do then then we're good no uh now i will say like i won't buy like running shorts without pockets charlie but not- watts yeah, yeah, there's not gonna be pockets on my, my thighs, no.
1: Damn, Charlie Watt's the name of the late drummer
0: for the Rolling Stones. There you go, man.
1: Hey, we just made that happen. No yeah. no no uh cargoes for young Charlie though. No. I might maybe maybe them. Mr. Watt, maybe Mr. Potter. Is your
0: is your dad a cargo shorts guy? Uh my dad doesn't really wear shorts because he has skinny chicken legs that are as <laughs> pale as snow, and he he doesn't want to get. That doesn't burnt. stop
1: my old man, but good <laughs> yeah. for him.
0: Yeah, he's you know he's he's had the throat cancer. He's like, I'm not getting anything on my legs because they are. I mean, you're gonna have to wear sunglasses around those puppies. I think he might have some cargo pants though. All right, but I'm not going to. You know, the I'm older not you get, man, stuff. it's
1: like the more pockets you need. You know mm-hmm. what
0: I mean? And, I see. That, um, because like, I'm going to put stuff in my pockets and they just weigh you down. Uh-huh. I don't like uh-huh. the, you know, if you're going out, like the wife and I have been going out on, on campus and walking a lot, just trying to get out of the house and, and doing something somewhat active. And like, I got to leave stuff in the car. I just can't have stuff jingling around in the pockets. That's not uh, that's not how I jive.
1: Worse look cargo shorts or a fanny pack.
0: Uh, I would still probably go cargo shorts because fanny packs are kind of making a comeback, you know, whether you wear them. Yeah. I mean, well, a lot of people too. Well, you do do the
1: theme park. So you see a lot of the fanny packs. Yeah. Well,
0: Disney is loaded with the fanny packs. Disney is also loaded with cargo shorts. too. Uh, (laughs) Now I'm not wearing the fanny pack. I'm not wearing either, but I know,
1: but you know, you know what I'm saying? Yeah.
0: I mean, but it's just like, just, I mean, Hell, we open this this podcast talking about Top Gun. Those things are all coming <laughs> back. Like they're in <laughs> style now, and people are just wearing.
1: Paint. Oh gosh! So you know, Coca Cola brand clothes were big back in that period too. I wonder if we'll see like Coke rugby's making a, a comeback.
0: You, you know, I, I have uh, niece and two nephews. The niece is uh, she she is she'll be thirty or she was thirty this or twenty this year. Sorry. I'm 10 years older than her because my sisters are a lot older than me. But a couple of years ago when they were in town, we we went to the mall and um, I guess it was Forever 21. A lot of just soda brand clothing, like Pepsi, Mountain Dew. Oh, the the Coke clothes back in the day. Yeah. Tony, man, it's all coming back.
1: Oh no. Just like uh, We're gonna have Bugle Johnson. Boy acid wash yeah. jeans with the Paisley <laughs> No. The Paisley liner in them that you peg and roll at the bottom. I had those. Yeah. Oh geez, that was awful. Late eighties, early nineties. Oof.
0: Oof. It all make it stop. History repeats itself in oh, and, and fashion. It absolutely does. It's just apparently. like I mean, you know, talking about the niece and nephews. My nephew plays high school baseball. All those Dj and kids have mullets. I mean that's coming back too. Yeah,
1: it oh. is. That is de- the rat tail. Yeah. All that. Sorry
0: to offend anyone out there with the
1: mullet, but <laughs> No, man. They feel good about it right now. You know, they, they everybody else doesn't get it. You know, the mullet the mullet requires a confidence that I never had really. My older brother had a mullet in the early to mid eighties. It wasn't just enough to have the mullet. Charlie, he graduated to Kentucky Waterfall by employing a perm to the, <laughs> to the back yes nice. he got that long part uh perm so he he graduated kentucky waterfall um from the mullet so yeah there's there's a whole nother level we can go yeah. to with that but for re- now anyway we'll uh we'll put a wrap on things <laughs> and uh yeah we've enjoyed this man been a lot of fun and always appreciate your great stuff there charlie Forrest. At BamaOnline still plenty to come as we get you ready for another college football season on the horizon. Uh, Charlie, Hank South, Tim Watts, Kirk McNair—I mean, we just uh, great staff right now. I really enjoy being around these guys. On a daily basis. Hey, join us on the Roundtable as well, the premium message board of choice for Alabama fans around the world. And if you haven't already, how about a subscription to the Bama Online Podcast, simple as a click or two? And if you'd leave us a rating and a review, we would greatly appreciate that as
0: well. Thanks a lot, Charlie. Yeah, no problem, man. All he does is catch up.
1: For Charlie Potter, Travis Ryer, thanking you once again. Have a great rest of your week. And until next time, so long, everybody.